And thank you all for being with us in person and online. We are in a message series that we are calling, uh, we're calling this message series Playing Hurt. And uh, this message series is all about moving out of a time of playing hurt. You know that expression, playing hurt, where you're doing something and you just keep pressing on, even though you're injured, even though you're wounded, you keep on playing hurt, you keep on pressing and pressing and pressing. Well, it's time to stop playing hurt. And it's time for us to be healed and restored. And there's so many things to be positive about. There's so many things to be encouraged by. And so here we are. Uh, we've, we've made our way through some topics in this series. Last week we talked about quality of life, and it's really time for us to make the quality of our lives a higher priority. There's been so many sacrifices that we've made over the course of the past year plus, and now it's time for us to remake quality of life issues important to us. So we're doing that. And so now we're going to move on to the topic of being reunited. That's what today's sermon is called, reunited. And this reuniting thing is happening all across our country, all throughout the state. Groups of people that have not physically seen each other in a while are being reunited. Friend groups, families, coworkers, people going back to the office, people are being physically regathered and reunited. But that's not exactly the kind of reunited that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of reunited that happens after there's been some kind of a division, some kind of a disagreement. There's some kind of tension, and a group of people, they work through that, and then they're reunited, brought back on the same page. So that's what we're talking about today, that kind of being reunited, ending that tension, ending that disagreement, ending that division, resolving that division, and being reunited together. It is, um, it's kind of crazy, the different types of things that can cause division or disagreement, uh, the types of things that can cause barriers in our building relationships with one another. I just saw this last month, uh, People Magazine, they did this survey concerning how Americans judge one another based on how they like their steak prepared, right? Even things like that can create division, right? Um, survey found that 59% of people in the Northeast judge everyone for their steak choices, and over 50% of Americans in the dating stage of life would not consider dating someone if they liked their steaks well done. How about that? Now, I'll tell you what, as a steak lover, on the one hand, I kind of get it. But on the other hand, I mean, come on, are we going to let something that trivial get in the way of building a relationship with someone? And that's just one example. I mean, you think about the things that get in our way, like, well, what school did you go to? Sometimes that can be a robbery. Sometimes that can be a barrier. What kind of sports do you like? What's your favorite sports team? You know, all these little things. What kind of music that you like? Rap. Oh, you don't like rap music? Then we can't be friends. Or, or what kind of um, activities do you enjoy? And, or who's your favorite Batman actor? All those things can create these unnecessary divisions in our relationships. And it is kind of crazy. It's also kind of sad. You know, there are real issues that we can disagree on. There are big things that we can disagree on, but these little petty things, we shouldn't let those get in the way of our being able to build and sustain relationships. Now, for those of us who make up the church, this issue of unity, it's absolutely essential. And we're going to talk about Church Day, unity in the church. And when I talk about church, we're talking about the big church, the capital C church, as in all believers everywhere. But we're also talking about us as a local church, okay? And so for us as a local church and for us as all believers, this issue of unity is essential. It's one of the beautiful things that we see in the book of Acts, how the first church comes together and they share all things in common and they're all of one accord. They are together. They're together. Not just physically together, but they are united in spirit, united in fellowship, and united in mission. 
At the Last Supper, Christ, Jesus Himself, He prayed for us. He prayed for our unity. And that we would stand out, we as His people, we as His church, that we would stand out in our world. When you look at the world around us and how much divisiveness there exists and all the petty things that people are fighting over, and then you look at the church and you see a difference. You see a group of people that aren't fighting over these non-essential things. You see unity. Christ prayed that we would be one. This is His prayer for us. And that somehow our unity in and of itself would serve as a testimony to the gospel that our unity in and of itself would somehow prove to the world around us that Jesus really is who He claimed to be, the Son of the living God. And so for us who make up the church, for those of us who make up the church, it's not just a shame when we allow ourselves to be divided over small things. It's, it's, it's disgraceful because our unity is so important. And when we become divided when there's division and divisiveness in the church, when we we become divided, we need to realize that we lose our ability to effectively communicate the gospel to our community. It's just the reality. We lose our ability to do the one thing that church is supposed to do. And so think of it that way. It's vital. It's not like a secondary issue. Unity is a major, major issue in the life of our church. And we cannot afford, we cannot let ourselves become divided over smaller, less significant issues. What we have in common as a church is so much more important than anything that could potentially divide us. And so here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to talk through, I want to get specific, a little bit specific, some of the issues that have created division in the church. Again, I'm talking about the church around the world, the church in America, but also this specific church and many local churches, okay? Talk about some of these issues that have created division within the church, Let's talk about the first one. We'll go with something big here. How about this one? Here's an issue. The election. Do you remember in November we had a presidential election? Do you remember that? Nobody remembers that? Yeah, you you do remember that. Yeah, it was kind of a a big deal, all right? And so the election happened. There was a new president. And all these months later, there is still, within some churches, still a little bit of tension and anger and bitterness over that election. We've got Christians that are angry towards one another, bitter towards one another for who they voted for. You voted for this person? Well, I voted for this person. Just that, just that bitterness that exists there. How could you have voted for this person? You should have voted for this person, right? And so even all these months after the election, there's still, did I, did I strike a nerve? <laughs> there's still this sense of bitterness that's there. And so here's what I want to tell you, and I want you to think about this logically. I know this is going to sound like preacher speak, but just hear me out on this, all right? Every single election that takes place, Unless Jesus is on the ballot, all you are left with are unideal options, okay? I'm going to say that again. Unless Jesus is on the ballot, all we are left with are unideal options. That's why I always just write in the name of Jesus for president. That's what I do. Does he really do that? He doesn't really do that. I don't know. But that's, that's just the reality. You know, as we get to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the book of Matthew, Jesus comes back and he says, guess what, guys? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the only one who has the right to tell us how to live and give us laws to live by. And one day, His perfect kingdom will come. And He will be the one true king who has the authority, who has the ability, who has the right to tell us what to do and how to live our lives. But in the meantime, we are left with nothing 
but unideal options. That's it. And so this past presidential election, you voted for an unideal option. We all did. And so let's embrace that reality and let go of that bitterness. Just let go. Just let go. It takes work to hold on to anger. It takes work. You've got to remind yourself of why you're angry. It just, just, ah, just let it go. So that's that. Let's talk about the pandemic. All sorts of issues in the pandemic that have created division within the church, within the global church, within the church in America, within this local church, all sorts of issues. Let's talk about masks, right? Let's talk about masks. Are you done hearing about masks and the debate over masks and all this kind of stuff? Uh Yeah, me too, right? Masks, policies, and the choices that people make concerning masks. You've got some extremes. You've got people on one end of the spectrum that have decided, they've made a choice for themselves, that they're going to wear a mask everywhere they go. They're going to wear a mask in the, in the shower. They're going to wear a mask in the ocean, whatever it is. And that's their choice. And then we've got the other extreme, not wearing a mask. And if someone takes, tells me I've got to wear a mask and I'm not shopping out of business or whatever it is, you've got the maskers and the anti-maskers. And then you've got a lot of people in the middle like me who just, who just don't care. It's, I just don't see it as a big issue. You know, We've got bigger fish to fry, I feel like, right? That's an expression I'm trying to bring back. Bigger fish to fry, I like that from back in the day. We've got bigger fish to fry. We've got more important things to be working towards and, and debating than mask or not to mask. And so here's what's up. If somebody is deciding to wear a mask, that's great. They've taken the information available to them and they've made a choice about their personal health. And if somebody has decided not to, that's great. It's not worth fighting about. It is not worth feeling that, like, what is this person doing over here? I can't believe they're not wearing a mask. What is this person doing over here? I can't believe that they are. It's not worth it. I see your smiles. Why would we let our, listen, why would I let ourselves get divided over that? Let people wear a mask. Let them not wear a mask. Who cares? We got bigger fish to fry. I'm trying to make that stick. We do. We've got more important issues to deal with. Have you caught yourself feeling that little bit of uh, superiority over somebody else because you think your choice is better than theirs? Knock it off. Knock it off. There's no room for that in the kingdom. They made their choice. You made your choice. Let's move on. While we're on a pandemic roll, let's talk about vaccines. You want to talk about vaccines? Because there's no... Some honesty from my eldest daughter. <laughs> do you want to talk about vaccines? Pro-vaxxers and anti-vaxxers and people saying you need to do this and people saying you shouldn't do this and all this kind of stuff. Guess what? It's a personal health choice, right? I would like for us as a church to lead... Is this some, go ahead, applaud, yeah. That's all right. I got a little bit of this. It's a personal health choice. I would love for us as a church to lead by example and just not ask. Don't ask. If somebody wants to share it with you, that's great. You can listen, but, but let's, let's not ask. It's personal, right? It's a personal health choice. People have asked me over the past six months about where do I stand on this? Listen, guys, first off, you need to know that I have a master's in theology, not a master's in virology, all right? Don't come to me looking for science. I don't have a scientific brain. I don't think that way, right? And so I would never encourage someone to get it or not get it. you got to figure that out. What I would encourage you to do is to get informed, right? If you're just reading from one perspective, then you're not really going to be informed. If you're just reading from the other perspective, then you're not going to be informed. But, but take a look at the big picture, 
Read about the studies and the effectiveness. Read about the risks and the dangers. And then you make that choice for yourself. Amen? Amen. Come on. Why would we let something like that divide us? Let it go. It's not worth holding on to bitter feelings or that sense of superiority because I made a choice and I think my choice was better than that person's choice. Come on. Let it go. Guys, it feels good to let go of that bitterness and just embrace unity. Embrace unity. We're having fun, so I'm going to bring up one last last issue that's caused division among the church in America and perhaps in this local church as well. Our worship habits... We've got people worshiping online. We've got people worshiping in person. And there's some bitterness or some angry feelings or some hurt feelings between the two groups that just should not exist. This bitterness should not exist. These hurt feelings should not exist. We've got people, God bless them, who have been stuck at home for over a year worshiping online. And some of those individuals, and maybe this is true for you or maybe it's not, some of those individuals have had their feelings hurt by us, those of us who are here in person. And there are people that feel like, you know what, they're members of this church, but their whole church family just moved on without them. They're just worshiping without me. They're just continuing on without me. And I just want to speak to that and say, no, that's not the case. You know, for the past year plus, I have been afraid to say to our online audience that I miss you. I have been afraid to say that because I don't want people to feel pressured to do something that they're not comfortable doing. Well, I'm done living in fear. And I'm just going to say to our online audience, we miss you. You are members of this church family, and we're not just going on without you. Can you hear their applauding for you? We're not going on without you. We're not. We miss you. It's not the same without you here. And so if you feel that way, that kind of bitterness or the hurt feelings, they're just going on without me and they don't even care. We do care, and we do miss you. Then you've got the folks that are worshiping in person. That little bit of superiority bubbles up. A little bit of bitterness bubbles up. Well, what about this person? Why aren't they here yet? What about that person? Why aren't they back yet? Listen, guys, knock it off. Just knock it off. People have to figure out these things for themselves. And the fact is that's, that's being judgmental. We just don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. You just don't know the, the health issues that another individual might have. You just don't know. We've got people going through cancer treatment. We've got people that have immune system disorders. We've got people that, that need to stay at home. So we have no right to judge somebody else's choice concerning in-person or online worship. We just don't. And I know I'm speaking to our church, but also across the country, this has become a source of division. We need to let that go. There are some really ugly stories that you've probably heard during this pandemic Families fighting, big families fighting, and grandparents aren't allowed to see their grandkids. And the kids say, well, if you go to worship, there's too many people there, so you can't see your grandkids. It's like, there's a lot of ugly stuff happening right now. And so we cannot judge one another for the choices that we make concerning in-person or online worship. We just can't. And so instead, what we need to do is we need to take those feelings that we might have of superiority or bitterness or hurt feelings, we need to take them and let them go. Let them go. Seriously, let them... Let them go. We can't let these issues divide us. Now, some of you might be thinking, you know, these issues that you listed, some of them are not petty. Some of them are really important. You know, listen, all I can say is this. Are any of these issues worth our being divided over? Are any of these issues worth us losing our ability to communicate the gospel with our surrounding neighbors? They're not. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Take a look at the passage 
in your bulletin. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writing this letter, writing to the church in Ephesus. You could spend, okay, if, if you're looking at this, you could spend a whole, I don't know, eight-week series on this first verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Let's stop right there. How many problems, how many problems would this alone solve? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. If we follow what Paul tells us to do here, if we follow these instructions of Scripture, how many problems would this alone solve? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When we allow that unwholesome talk to happen, when we allow, as Paul's going to describe, this bitterness and anger to take hold, when we allow these issues to divide us, we are grieving the Spirit of God. Do you know what that's like? Let me talk to the parents. Do you know what that's like, parents? When your kids make choices that just grieve your heart? This is what God experiences when we let this unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. And listen, <clears throat> back in Paul's day, there wasn't such a thing as social media, but I think the same thing applies. Don't let any unwholesome stuff get posted out there on, on social media. Just don't do it. Don't do it. But only what's beneficial, only what's going to build up according to the needs of the individual. We should be about building each other up, not tearing each other down. Amen? Can we agree on that? We build each other up. We don't tear each other down. And so much, guys, listen, so much of this is rooted in humility, just knowing that none of us are perfect. So don't tear down. We got to build up. That's our job. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. I think you got them all, Paul. Get rid of all this stuff. <clears throat> And you might want to push back and say, Paul, it's not that easy. How do I get rid of it? It's not that easy. My feelings have been hurt. It's not that easy. Well, maybe it's not that easy. Well, what does easy have to do with it? Make a choice. Make a cho I understand that we are beings that possess logic and emotion. Make a logical choice. I'm getting rid of this bitterness. I'm going to let go of these hurt feelings. Just do it. Just get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with all forms of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, the, the dangerous thing about these little minor issues that come up and cause division in the church is sometimes we don't even see them. We don't even notice them. We just let them happen. And in the background of our hearts, there's that bitterness growing. In the background of our hearts, there's the hurt feelings brewing. In the background, these things just, no, wait, 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 let's identify these things. And realize we can't feel this way. We can't have that bitterness. We can't hold on to that. And so listen, if Paul's instructions are not quite enough for you, here's what I'm going to attempt to do. I'm going to give you a few practical steps, a few ways that you can actively let go of those hurt feelings, that bitterness, that sense of superiority. I'm going to give you some practical ways that you can do that, okay? A few ways here. Here's the first thing that you can do. Identify that source. Identify the source. 
of whatever you're feeling is, if it's bitterness, if it's hurt feelings, if it's anger, identify what is giving you this, this sense of hurt feelings, this sense of bitterness. Identify it. You know, in the world of recovery, what do they talk about? That first step is admitting that you have a problem. This is kind of that same principle. Just like, don't pretend you don't feel bitter. Don't pretend you're not experiencing bitterness. Just, just own it, okay? And identify the source. What is causing you to feel that way? You know, sometimes the exercise of logic just helps us let go of some of our bad and negative and unhelpful emotions. Think about what is it that's causing you to feel bitter or, or hurt feelings. And then make a choice. Make a choice to let it go. Make a choice to let it go. I mean, that's what forgiveness is. It's wonderful to see all throughout, I mean, all throughout the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, how, how sin is, is paralleled with this concept of debt, like owing something to God. Or when we sin against each other, we owe something to one another. And on the cross, Christ's last words were the debt is paid in full. All this financial terminology, this, this, this sense of owing somebody something. And so forgiving someone is making a decision, you don't owe me anything anymore. I'm canceling your debt. If you wronged me or if you, something happened, I'm making a choice to cancel your debt. There's no way that you can make it up to me and it's not fair for me to ask, so I'm going to make a choice to cancel your debt. Here's my last piece of tangible advice in letting go of bitterness, and letting go of hurt feelings. And this is big, guys. Choose grace. Choose grace. Have you seen those commercials for um, Snickers, right? You're not you when you're hungry. Those are good, right? You're not you when you're hungry, right? So people aren't acting right, get them a Snickers, and then they're back to being themselves. Here's what's up. You're not you when you're going through a pandemic, okay? You're not. There are things that happen to us that impact the way that we act and treat one another, going through grief, you know, the, the death of a loved one, the death of a family member. There are big things that happen in life that make an impact on who we are and our ability to treat one another with the respect that we deserve. And so if somebody else has hurt your feelings, choose to extend them an extra measure of grace. So you know what? That person's going through a pandemic right now. And I know that we all are, but just choose to extend that extra measure of grace. They're going through a lot right now. They're going through a lot right now. This is a discipline that I've had to practice a whole lot <laughs> this year. You know? Man, is it just me? This past year, I've received nastier emails than I've ever received before, and I've had people bark at me and call me up and say terrible things, and I'm like, you know what? Instead of getting offended, I'm going to realize that this other person is going through a lot, and I'm going to extend that extra measure of grace, because that's how I want to be treated when I mess up. I want people to give me an extra measure of grace, and with the measure I use, I want it to be measured back to me. Treat one another the way that you want to be treated. So extend that grace. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 begins, and this is Paul. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I had a mentor that once told me that, um, you know, this concept is so important in Scripture because basically what Paul is saying is, I'm dead. I'm dead. The old me is gone. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My mentor used to say that dead men have no rights. 
if we can embrace the same attitude, the same mentality of Paul, we can realize that we're already gone. And we don't have the right to be offended. We don't have the right to hold on to bitterness. We don't have the right to feel disappointed with one another. We've lost all those rights because guess what? We've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer us who live, it's Christ who lives in us. And I don't know if this is going to be helpful for you, but I know it's helpful for me. When I feel that personal offense bubbling up, when I feel that pride bubbling up, when I feel that sense of disappointment bubbling up, I just remind myself that I'm dead and that I don't have the right to those feelings because I've been crucified with Christ. Do you know how good it feels to realize I'm not entitled to my hurt feelings or my bitterness or my disappointment? Just to let it go. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us and through us. Um, our pastoral apprentice extraordinaire, Corey Brown. Uh, some love for Corey, by the way. How you doing, buddy? Uh, multiple times he's referenced uh, Rick Warren's book, A Purpose Driven Life, which is, by the way, is a great book if you've never read it. But um, I read it years ago, but the part that stands out to me, it's very clear. It's actually, I went back and looked it up. The very first sentence in the very first chapter is it's not about you. It's not about you. The second chapter is all about how our lives should, all, should be all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And that's that same kind of attitude, that same mentality that Paul had. I'm gone. I'm dead. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not about me. And it's not about my personal offense. It's not about me thinking I'm superior to somebody else. It's not about me holding on to my bitterness. My life is no longer about me. So I can let go of all those things, and I can make my life all about Jesus. There is one last step that I want to share with you, one piece of advice for, for letting go of those hurt feelings, letting go of bitterness, leaning into grace. Last piece of advice, maybe this is applicable to you, maybe it's not. In a word, apologize. Apologize. You know, and this is not just in the context of a church setting. Maybe it's within your family group. Maybe it's within your friend group. Maybe it's with your coworkers. Apologize. Do you owe somebody an apology? Have you had a difficult conversation with somebody? Have you wronged somebody? So here's the thing. Maybe you've had an, an encounter with somebody, and they've really wronged you, and you've only wronged them a little bit. Just own your share of the blame pie and apologize for that. I mean, that's such, it's so freeing to apologize. If you have been disrespectful to someone because of the choices they've made during this pandemic, go and apologize. I'm sorry. If you have felt bitterness towards somebody over the choices that they've made, apologize. I'm sorry. If you've said something negative about one of your brothers and sisters in the faith, if you've been engaging in slander or unwholesome talk, you need to go and apologize. Here's what I would love to see happen throughout the course of this afternoon and this week. I want so many of you to just to be receiving apologies for things you didn't even know happened. Just lean into the apologizing. Lean into that. Own own your share of the wrongdoing. Maybe it's not a lot. Own your share and go to your brother, go to your sister, go to your fellow church member and say, I'm sorry that I did this. I'm sorry that I felt this. I'm sorry that I said this. And don't worry if they wronged you. That's, that's their business to sort through. Just own your share of the blame pie. Own it and apologize. That's so helpful. That helps us lean into humility and lean into grace and let go of all that bitterness. God, listen, I believe this. God, He's carrying us through. 
He's carrying us into a season of healing and restoration and recovery, and we just need to let him. We just need to let him do what he desires to do. He desires to heal and restore and rebuild and reunify. We just need to let him. We have to let God do his work. We need to let God eradicate all this bitterness and anger and hurt feelings and all the above. We need to let God do this because the thing that we have in common is so much more important than anything that could possibly divide us. What we have in common is a common Savior, Jesus Christ. What we have in common is a common love, the love of Jesus. What we have in common is a common mission, a common goal. We have been called, we have been created to reach 60,000 people, our 60,000 neighbors. We have a work to do. Our mission, our love for Jesus and His love for us and His saving grace, that's more important. All these things unify us, and they're much more important than anything that could potentially divide us. So let's lean into our unity with one another. Let's lean into that and let our 60,000 neighbors see what unity looks like, see what loving one another looks like. And by our unity, we will continue to serve as a testimony to our neighbors, showing them in part the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray on that. Jesus, we thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. You died on the cross for our sins. You've extended to each one of us that free gift of salvation as we receive you as our Savior. Lord Jesus Christ, you prayed for us. You prayed for us as a church. You prayed for all of your believers that we would be one just as you and the Father are one so that the world may know that you are the Son of God and that God sent you into this world. And so, Father, in this moment right now, I, I boldly come before you praying for a miracle. Reach into our hearts and eradicate those hurt feelings and cause us to let go and get rid of that bitterness and let go of that tension. Let us lean into this reality that, that it's no longer us who live, but it's you who lives in us. It's you who works through us, Jesus. Let us be one. Specifically, God, I'm praying for Hope Community Church, for this congregation of people. Let us be one, just as you, Jesus, and the Father are one. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.